0: Now when our families gather together, seems like it's kind of inevitable that tension and drama and things begin to arise, right? And and there's no more of a place that this happens when we get together than at this spot, the kids' table, right? Now we've all heard about it, many of us have, have probably experienced it. I grew up in a larger family, we absolutely had one. You know what I'm talking about, you got the adults, they're comfortably lounging at the much larger table that has much more food at it. While the kids are are elbow to elbow at the small table just fighting over a, a turkey leg or something. You know what I'm talking about. So, you know, in family time as you get together, it's supposed to be like this happy and good time together. But I tell you what, at the kids' table, it is anything but that. And sometimes me and my cousins, whew, we'd get on it. But, you know, anything I'd go for now to go back in time and be around that table again with my cousins as the days used to be. And how much more different that time would have been if I just would have realized how grateful I could be for that time with family. And you know, so much of what what happened at that table, the fighting and the bickering and all that, it, it could have just been diffused had there been a little bit more gratitude, right? And we all know that it's not just at the kids' table that this happens a lot. And this is why this morning what we're going to talk about is this idea of how do we practice gratitude for our family. So good morning. My name's Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus of Gitwell Church. Glad that you've joined us for worship this morning, especially if you're our guest today. Glad that you carved out time to be with us. I pray that this morning is a blessing to you. I do want to let you know we're in the third week of our message series this month called Family Matters. Uh, And throughout this month what we're looking at is this idea of what does God's Word say about the importance of us gathering together as family. Now the first week of our series we talked about this idea that family matters enough for us to engage with our family. Uh, Last week Pastor Jonathan talked about this idea that our family matters enough for us to forgive. If you haven't been here or haven't had a chance to listen, I would encourage you to go back online. You can go to uh, youtube.com slash getwellchurchsouthhaven. You can find uh, those two messages and so many others there, but would love for you to uh, go back and listen to those. But now as we approach uh, Turkey Day, Thanksgiving, it's this Thursday, by the way, in case you didn't know. Christmas still has a little bit longer. Uh, so, But many of us are going to gather together this week to share a meal, right? Uh, and we all know that there are going to be some family dynamics that are probably going to be present as we gather together. And I want to thank Pastor Jonathan last week for giving us a rundown of those different family members who were there. And maybe it just made me realize that I'm the person that everyone's trying to avoid uh, at the table. But anyway, we talked about the first week that this idea of that family is so important, that family is a gift to us. We talked about this idea that, that we have been pl- placed into our families. On purpose you've been given your family on purpose and you're also placed within your family for purpose and now so none of the interactions that we're gonna have this week are on accident God has put you there for a reason and so my question is and the thing that I want to wrestle with this morning is why why would we as we're going to, to the table on Thursday why would we not want to approach our family gatherings a little bit different and what I'm talking about is with a little bit of gratitude And so for us to understand where does gratitude kind of swell up from, uh, we have to begin here, is that gratitude begins with grace. Gratitude begins with grace. Now, grace, yes, is something that your grandfather says before you eat Thanksgiving dinner, right? Uh, Grace is probably also your second cousin's aunt's name, but it's more than that. Uh, Grace is this thing that for us as Christians is so foundation to our faith, but I would argue that many of us don't really understand this grace. Uh, many of us grew up in the church, or maybe you've been in the church for, for some time now. Uh, you might be familiar with grace. You know how to spell it. You know that you have singing about it, right? But the thing is, is that with grace, we have to experience it. We've got to experience grace, and we experience grace in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in his book, Life with a Capital L, uh, author and pastor Matt Hurd, he says this about grace. Grace is God lovingly giving me what I need instead of what I deserve. It's God lavishly giving me what I long for, but not necessarily all that I think I want. See, grace is Jesus Christ taking on flesh, coming to earth to live among us, dwell among us, to show us the very character of God to live a perfect life of obedience to God, to give himself on the cross for us, in our place, to die the death that we all deserve. He dies and he's buried for three days But then, by the power of God, raised to new life. But the thing is, is he doesn't just raise to new life and that's it, He, he ascends to heaven and he sits on the throne of heaven until one day, friends, he's coming back. And all these wrongs that we experience in this world will be righted. All these tears that we cry will be wiped away because the kingdom of God will be established forever and ever. See, God's grace is that he goes to this extraordinary length of giving his one and only son, doing all of this in spite of what we deserve. We don't deserve this. Our sinful rebelliousness says that we do not deserve this. But God's grace is that he delivers us from the slavery of sin, from from the certainty of eternal death. Instead, he changes us and he changes the trajectory of our lives by his grace. Transforms our hearts, gives us new hearts, and puts within us a spirit, his spirit, that we could be called children of God. And friends, that that doesn't just change our life for eternity, it changes our life today today. Remember, as Matt said, grace is God lovingly giving me what I need instead of what I deserve. And this grace that he gives us, he does it so lavishly. I love how scripture talks about this, but he showers us with more than enough grace. More than enough to cover us, to cleanse us, to redeem us, to transform us. And so every time we mess up, we're met with God's grace. Whenever we turn to him in repentance. And he gives us what we need, not always what we think we want. And I can guarantee you, I'm so glad for that fact, right? Like, that's good news, is it not? How come then, too many of us look no different than we did before we ever met grace? See, God's grace comes and it does something in us. And unfortunately, it's a common response that that we're met with this transforming, miraculous work of God and he does the work, but we just continue to sit here. We just continue on with our lives. Now I want us to look at an interaction that Jesus has with 10 men in Luke chapter 17. So if you've got a Bible you read from or a device, go ahead and turn to Luke 17. Jesus, he's on the way uh, to Jerusalem for the last time before he's gonna give himself up uh, for us. He knows what's coming ahead, but he, he's continuing on to Jerusalem and he kind of takes on a scenic route with the disciples. But he does so with a purpose. So let's take a look. Luke chapter 17, picking up in verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus, he's traveling the border between Samaria and, uh, and the Jewish uh, part. Uh, and what we find are these ten lepers, uh, with at least one of them being a Samaritan, right? So, so most likely the majority of them are Jews. And I think it's funny how life is sometimes, that even though these two groups hated each other, the Jews and the Samaritans, they both find themselves very equal here, all with the same affliction. Leprosy. Right? It's funny how that happens. They, they know they're sick. Uh, they know that they can't do anything about it. They need help. And so they cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Your translation may say, have mercy on us. But basically what they're doing is they're appealing to the compassion of God here. They know who Jesus is. They're, they're, they're appealing to, to God's faithfulness to what he says he will do, that he, he will remember his people, that he would move to bring healing in their lives. And so since they have leprosy, one of the, the parts of the law says that they have to keep a distance and they have to yell, hey, I'm a leper, the whole time so others won't come around them. And Jesus sees them at a distance. Jesus hears their loud cry. I don't know about you, but, but there have been times that I've cried out to Jesus in a loud voice. I've been at a distance from him. I, I've had a need. I've had despair. And Jesus, just as he met the lepers where they were, far off in a distance, he meets us in our distance, in our need, in our despair, and he offers us the healing grace that only he can provide. And as they go, or as they're going to the, the priests, the boils on their hands disappear. Their need for bandages dissipates. Their, their need to be distant all of a sudden becomes demolished. Their situation has been redeemed by the only one who could do something about it. They've been healed by the healer. Their futures have been changed by the one who orchestrates their futures. Yet, it's only one of the lepers who returns to Jesus. It's only one who notices and and desires to give thanks to the one who's done the work. And as you see, I I love this part. I don't know if you catch this in the story. But just as they cried out with a loud voice in desperation for God to heal them, for Jesus to do the work that he could do, uh, this leper who's so filled with gratitude comes back to Jesus and praises God in a loud voice. What this shows me is, you know, his desperation to be healed, that intensity is met with the intensity of him to say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. When we truly understand where this power comes from, where this grace comes from, we can't help but to be grateful. But unfortunately, many of us are like the other non lepers. God does his work. And while we're not like out there, you know, expressing ungratitude for God, like, oh, I can't believe he would do this. <laughs> we don't live lives that, that reflect just a grateful heart of what he's done in our lives. You know, too often we get what we want and we never turn back to say thanks. So a question I want us to wrestle with this morning is this, is what has been your response to God's grace? Wherever you might be. Uh, in your walk with with Christ. And King David wrote this in Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. My hope and my prayer this morning is that we'd understand that to move into this attitude of gratitude, we've really got to begin with the grace of God. Now, one reason why this is important, I want you to see this connection, we're doing a little word study here, is that the word for grace in the New Testament is this word "charis," all right? But the word for thanks or, or gratitude is this word eucharisteo, okay? They share the same root. It's because they're connected. For us to understand where gratitude is gonna come from, we first have to understand this relationship with grace. Now, gratitude is more than just this feeling of thanks that you get from from somebody doing something for you. Uh, Take this for example. You work all week and your employer gives you a paycheck. Well, they gave you something, right? So do you write them a thank you note? I mean, I guess if they were like especially generous, that would be nice. but, But no, we typically don't, right? So it's not in every sense do we kind of express gratitude in that way. But it's this understanding that there's this emotion that wells up within us. And it's proportional to the fact that whenever we understand that something was very undeserved, right? That a, that a gift was given. It's a response that, that swells up out of us. In other words, here's the thing, is that, that gratitude reaches its greatest potential in our lives if it's within the, area, the arena of grace, when it's practiced. See, gratitude is a response to grace that we have been shown and so when we celebrate, you know, oftentimes we do celebrate the grace that God has shown us, but we also have to move in and find that, that through us expressing grace and gratitude to God, we, we begin to express grace and gratitude to those around us. And so what does it look like for us to express gratitude? I want us to look where Pastor Jonathan left off last week in Colossians chapter 3. So if you want to turn there to me with me, uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Paul has just talked about this idea that we are to clothe ourselves with humility and kindness and compassion and gentleness and patience. How all of that uh, takes place in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. He, He admonishes us to bear with one another, to forgive one another. And how we're to just relish in the unity that comes by the binding of love. It's a beautiful thing. And so Paul writes this picking up in verse 15. Are you looking for peace? It comes by Christ in your heart. Are you looking for thankfulness? It comes by Christ in your heart. Are you looking to sing a new song? It comes by Christ in your heart. Are you looking for your words and your deeds to take on a greater meaning than they ever have before? It comes by Christ in your heart. You see, as the people of God, we're filled with Christ's rule in our heart. Uh, we're to live lives that exemplify the character of our Savior, Jesus, who is full of grace. And so that grace, as it gets a hold of us, it does something in us. And when we realize that grace in our lives, we become grateful. Another way to say it is this way, is that a grace-filled heart is a grateful heart. A grace-filled heart is a grateful heart. See, grace, it overflows from our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our actions toward God and others. And when we receive from God, we can't help but to give it away, right? Uh, To let it spill out to others. And it's shown in the way that we give thanks. So what happens when we understand grace? What happens when we, we are moved to gratitude? Well, let's do another word study here. So let's go back to our two words. We have charis, which is grace. We have eucharisteo, which is uh, thanks or gratitude. Here's an interesting uh, fact about this word also. Uh, some traditions call the Lord's Supper or communion uh, the Eucharist because we're giving thanks to God for what he's done, right? But then there's this third word that also comes from the same root as it's kara. When you understand grace, when you move to gratitude, you experience joy. Joy. Kara. Joy. It begins to be a part of your life. And who, who couldn't use a little more joy this morning, right? We all could. And so we have to see that, that there's just great joy that comes whenever we understand grace for our lives. And we begin to move in gratitude as we practice it wherever we go. Now, I want to give you five ways this morning that you can practice gratitude, especially as we go into this week and and as we begin to gather with our families. And friends, again, our families matter too much for us not to lean into, to press and to begin to practice some of these things. So easy way to remember this acronym is through an acronym and it's GRACE. There you go. All right. Awesome. First one is this, is give it. Give it. Now, if I had a cup of water up here in a pitcher and I began to to pour water into the cup, what would happen as it got to the top? It started to overflow. Well, I would probably stop pouring water in there, right? Because I'd be like, oh, it's full. A lot of us have received the grace of God, right? And we receive it over and over and over. But the goal is to give away that grace of God to others. We don't just keep it. Why? So that we can continue to be poured in with more and more grace, and the more that you are given grace, the more that you are to give grace. And the more that you get, then you give. You get what I'm saying? It's a cycle. It's, it's what God wants to do through us. And this is why it's so important for us to give his grace away. His grace, his love, his, his peace, gratitude so that we could receive more. Just this weekend, we were talking with our family about that Jesus says that it is better to give than to receive, Right? The thing is, I want to be a conduit of God's love to others around me. And if I've received this grace from God, if I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if I've tasted of his grace, why would I not want for especially someone in my family to experience that same thing? Right? It's a beautiful thing. Why would I not want them to taste and see as well to have that same experience? It starts with us but you have to give it away to others. So give it. The second practice is this, is to receive it. It astonishes me how prideful I can be sometimes, especially when someone wants to help me in some way or or show me the grace of God uh, in that way. But the truth is is that God places others in our lives, especially in our families, uh, who, who desire to pour into us. Who desire to shower us with the grace of God see their actions their encouragement their motivations their gratitude it's all spurred on by a God who loves them and is poured into them and whenever I push back on, on them being able to share the grace and the gratitude and love of God with me I'm actually pushing back on what God has called them to do in that moment so how different could our lives be if we allowed others to have the freedom uh, to shower upon us so that we're not prideful but instead to let them be a conduit of God's love into our lives, to be open to receive that blessing that they've been given, that they are willing to give away. So I encourage you, set aside the pride, whether it's with a person or whether it's with God, and receive the blessing of grace this week. The third is this, is that you gotta be sure to act on it. You gotta be sure to act on it. Now you've heard it said, this is kind of like sermon about, you've heard it said Uh, That it's the thought that counts Well, I can tell you that's fine and dandy, right? But we all know that it's not just the thought that counts. It's also the action, right? So For us, this is one practice that I'm definitely putting into trying to practice more uh, as well but it's putting into practice those words and those actions that, that I'm feeling as I see something, as someone has done something uh, for me personally, uh, gone above and beyond or showed me some undeserved grace that I didn't, uh, didn't deserve, whatever it might be, I wanna act on it in that moment. I don't wanna just sit on it, I don't wanna just be like, oh, that was, that was so good, I really should do something about that. No, tell them, act on it. Uh, write the note, send the text, make the phone call, whatever is most appropriate in that moment, act on it to let them know that you're grateful, that you noticed. Even if it seems like that moment's passed and man, I'm so guilty of this, you go, oh, well, we missed that moment. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Because I can tell you what, there is no greater encouragement to someone's spirit than to know that you noticed, that you saw. And so do it, act on it. You never know what kind of impact that is going to make. And I just want to give you a pastoral word uh, here, especially as we, we, we gather with our families, because sometimes it seems like family can be the hardest ones uh, for us to practice some of this with. Um, but we act on it because we're grateful. We don't act on it because we want to receive something from them in return. It, uh, like we may not even see them respond, but we act on it because we're grateful to God for what he has done. Now think about all the tensions and all the drama that, that could be in your, your houses this week and how they could be re- diffused just even a little bit if we practice this more. Now think about how, how often it is that, that for us just to know that we're loved, how that, that makes the wall start to fall down in a softened heart. So as we practice gratitude, we want to give it. We want to receive it. We want to act on it. The fourth is we want to cultivate it. We want to cultivate it. And what I mean by this is uh, we want to let gratitude and grace be something that we seek out in our lives. So many Christians are pretty stagnant in this. And too many people in the world are, are give no thanks at all to anyone or anything uh, about it all. They're a lot like the nine who don't return. But to, but to cultivate something, it's to prepare to prepare the ground, to to plant the seed so that it can grow. And so for us to cultivate grace and gratitude is to do those very things that Paul talked about in Colossians 3, that that we're to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and be thankful, that we'll let the the gospel message of of, uh, the grace of Christ dwell among us, not just in us, but in our gatherings together as well. That we're to do everything in the name of Jesus and all the while giving thanks to God through Christ. See, when you walk closely with Jesus, whenever you have that personal and that experiential relationship with Him, it begins to cultivate in us something very different and new. When we allow Jesus to do the work that only He can do in us, it, there's a there's this great joy that comes from that. And if you want to grow in gratitude, you, you've got to choose to be intentional about this practice and you've got to allow Jesus to have his way with your life. You got to let the Spirit continue to do the work in your heart and in your actions. And the best place for this to begin is with your family. Cultivate it. Finally, you need to exude it. I know I went to public school, but this is a big word. We got this. There's a good chance... That all of us know that person in our life that you go, goodness gracious, are they not just like the epitome of grace? Are They like they are just like the most joyful person I've ever met in my entire life and, and I just wish that I could be more like them, right? And the reason we're so drawn to them and, and the reason they exude it is because they are connected to the vine. Uh, they are sharing the love and the light of Jesus everywhere they go. And that's what we're to strive to do as well. And you may be like, Hunter, oh, goodness gracious. That sounds so good. I wish I was like that. I just, I don't know. I don't know if there's much hope for me. Here's the thing is that you may not be there yet. I know I'm not still working on it. But Christ wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to take you there. Are you going to let him? Start with the grace of God. If you want to exude it, start with the grace of God. Move into gratitude and then let that joy become a part of the radiance of what he's, he's drawing others to him through you. So this week, you're most likely going to be around some tables with your family. And I want to encourage you this is, is to just say, thank you, God. Thank you for my family. Whatever your family may look like. And I want to encourage you to practice this idea of grace. I want you to look for opportunities to express your gratitude for your family. And I want you to go ahead already to to start praying about the conversations that you may have, uh, the people that you're gonna encounter, the loved ones that, that you need to speak that word from the Lord to. I want you to pray that those who are wayward, those who are prodigals in your family, that they would feel welcomed back into your family, that they'd be met with your love, I want you to pray for those lonely ones in your life that maybe you, you haven't yet remembered, but you'll remember and you can say, hey, I'd love for you to join our family. Gather them in. And I want you to pray that, that this week as we gather together, y'all, the, it seems like the world is falling apart, right? And I'm not even just talking about the world out there. It feels like our own worlds are. But just that as we gather together this week, that it would just be a reprieve from the weight, even just for a moment that once again, we would just stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for our family. So I've got a prayer I want us to end with today. It's a prayer that's in your bulletin. You're welcome to take it with you this week. And you can pray it all week long if you need to. Uh, But I want us to pray it together here uh, from the screen. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. And as we gather with family, let's pray these words together. Jesus, make us grateful. Give us eyes to see what it is that really makes us blessed. We repent of focusing on the things we don't have instead of the blessings you have given us. We want to be like the one who returned to express gratitude for your lavish grace. Thank you for saving us, forgiving us, and providing for our needs each day. And as we gather this holiday, give us hearts that overflow with gratitude for the gift of our families. Help us to meet each member where they are and through our interactions and love toward them, may they be drawn to you. For your glory we pray, amen. Friends, we're gonna sing a song of response here. and I wanna ask you to respond however you feel led to. You're welcome to come down and pray about anything going on in your life, anything you're, you might encounter this week and, and just ask the Lord to go before you. But whatever's going on, now's the time that we respond to the grace that we've been given. So if you'll stand, let's sing together.